Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello everyone and welcome along to this episode of La Liga Lowdown rebroadcast on Sirius XMFC 157. I'm your host, Drew McTeer, and we've got a midweek round to discuss. Well, most of a midweek round. The first couple of fixtures of this match day 19 were played back on the 15th and 16th of December when the Supercopa teams played amongst each other. That was when Barcelona beat Real Sociedad and Real Madrid defeated the Athletic Club. But we had eight more fixtures in this round and they were played out this midweek, concluding with Ibar versus Atletico Madrid. Now... This game had one of the most entertaining moments in some time. In the 11th minute, Ibar won a penalty and, all of a sudden, their goalkeeper, Marko Dimitrovic, appeared holding the ball, ready to try to beat his counterpart, Jan Oblak. We always bring you the best commentary clips of the round in our sore throat game of the week section, and that will come up later, but this deserves its own moment in the spotlight. Here's what happened when Dimitrovic met Oblak. So Dimitrovic against Oblak. Didn't expect to be saying that tonight. <laughs> Don't you love this? That's great. Up he steps. And he scores. And Abar have the lead. It's the goalkeeper who gets the goal. Celebrating with uh, the entire Abar team. Absolutely incredible stuff there. Dimitrovic, who almost scored away at Sevilla last season as well. Remember that? With this, Dimitrovic became the first goalkeeper to score a goal in La Liga since 2011 when Danny Aranzubia did so for Deportivo La Coruña. That was with a header at a stoppage time corner. No goalkeeper had scored a penalty in La Liga since 2002 when Nacho Gonzalez scored for Las Palmas against Athletic. So it was incredible. In the end, though, it didn't count for anything, at least in terms of points for Ibar. Luis Suarez pulled one back for Atletico before the break and then scored a late penalty of his own, which, by the way, Jan Oblak surely should have been allowed to take to get some revenge on his Balkan brother. But anyway, it finished 2-1 to Atletico. That doesn't mean that Dimitrovic's penalty meant nothing. Football's more than just who won and who lost. It's also about moments. It's about entertainment, about fun. And believe me, they'll be talking about that Dimitrovic penalty against Oblak for decades to come in Ibar. We'll move on and discuss the other game that took place on Thursday night now, which was Valencia and Osasuna's 1-1 draw 
at Mestalla. Osasuna surprised Valencia with a quick free kick and a counter-attack that ended in a Jonathan Cagliari goal before Unai Garcia turned into his own net as Valencia got back in the game. Cagliari hit the post late on as both teams were really trying to win it and there were several chances at the end. Paco Pollock was watching it of course and joins us now. Paco, was this draw a fair result? I guess it is to some extent because, yeah, both teams tried to win it, but at the same time, both teams didn't offer the greatest show, right? I, I saw two sides in deep trouble, Osasuna with the anxiety of not winning since October, Valencia just unable to be consistent enough to deliver a follow-up to their good performances on the last three games. Only one of those was in La Liga, though, and it showed. Against Valladolid, they were better, but not against Osasuna. If we actually add up the the merits of both sides and compare them side to side, I'd even dare to say Osasuna deserved it slightly more than Valencia. And that's pretty bad. I mean, even this Valencia should be defeating a relegation zone side like Osasuna at home. At this point in the season, it's not really comfortable to me to remind people that Valencia should not, under any circumstance, be so low in the standings by this point. The season has been an absolute failure regardless of how optimistic you want to remain. We're talking Valencia here, we're talking a club which won the Copa del Rey less than two years ago, which was a Champions League regular only a handful of seasons ago. So seeing Valencia stuck in the depths of the table is 100% on the board. It's the board's fault and Peter Lim's fault. So yes, Valencia should have beat Osasuna at home, but let's not forget that the club are in dire straits because of its management and the squad they demolished last summer, and definitely not because the players aren't doing their best, which they are. To put this poor Valencia season into context, this result means that Valencia finished their first half of the season with 20 points at this stage last season, they had 31 points, but this was inevitable, wasn't it, after the management of the summer? Of course it was. Um, anyone with only a few notions of football management knew that A. Selling your best players for peanuts, B. Not signing anyone to replacement, and C. Promoting inexperienced Youth Academy players would result in an unreliable squad, unable to close games efficiently, with plenty of optimism and energy, okay, but without the needed IQ to win balanced games. Just check out Osasuna's goal, which originated in a Valencia offside. Kanjin Lee was kind enough to give the ball to an opposite player, with his team not properly displayed in the pitch, so Osasuna quickly built up the counter and scored while the defense were scrambling to get to their places. A typical mistake of youngsters, which obviously can be applied not only to Kanjin Lee, but to the whole team. For Osasuna, they've now gone 13 matches without winning in La Liga. What is it that they lack? Is it as simple as saying that they would be absolutely fine if they had Chimi Avila? I don't really know if Chimi Avila would solve all of their problems, because I'm not a believer on only one man making a big difference in football, but it's true that Osasuna lacked the firepower to capitalize on the small number of chances they have in every single game. I also think they would incredibly improve and benefit if they had another second striker or a number 10 who could feed more balls to Caleri and free up some of the attention placed upon Ruben Garcia, who was heavily marked against Valencia and didn't have his best game. Osasuna are a team who know their limitations and they try to overcome them, but La Liga can be incredibly punishing for little teams with no efficient strikers. 
Which coach do you think is at most risk of being sacked right now? If either of them, is it Osasuna's Jacoba Arasati or Valencia's Javi Gracia? You see, Jacoba Arasate was backed by the sports direction a few days ago, actually, and it seems the performance was promising enough against Valencia in a big ground as Mestalla, so I don't really think he's in danger at this point. Obviously, if they lose the next 3-4 games, he will be. Meanwhile, Javi Gracia's case is already well known, and if you don't, La Liga Lowdown is here to give you an update. Meriton Holdings, Valencia's board, won't sack Javi Gracia because they would have to pay him his full two-year contract, around 3 million euros, and, as you know, money is tight around here. But do not get it wrong, Valencia's performance to date, in the last 19 La Liga games, under any other management, under any other ownership, would not only mean the sacking of the coach, Javi Gracia, with 20 points out of 57, but also the sacking of the rest of the board in charge of the decision-making. But that's not going to happen under Peter Lim. So we are not going to invest our precious time talking about something which belongs to the realms of our imagination. Okay, thanks Paco for some positive Valencia news, if there's any Valencia fans listening needing a a hit of the good stuff. We've got a very good profile by Sam Leverage on Yunus Musa on LaLigaLowdown.com right now. Definitely go and check that out because that has been one of the good news stories at Mestalla this season. Now, we're going to finish the first half of this episode with our sore throat game of the week segment. This is where one of the members of our La Liga Lowdown squad sums up the wildest game and commentary clips that accompanied it. This week, we've got Alex Brotherton and he's discussing Cadiz and Levante's 2-2 draw Here's Alex to take us through that. Matchday 19 got off to a pulsating start down in Andalusia as Cadiz and Levante played out a 2-2 draw. Last weekend, Cadiz found their scoring touch at the Ramon de Caranza, putting free past Alaves. They started in similar fashion on Tuesday evening, when only four minutes in they broke the deadlock. Alex Fernandez caught Levante on their heels with a surging run forward before laying the ball to the left side of the area to an unmarked Alberto Pereira. The Cadiff wide man showed brilliant composure to sell the defender with a fake shot and calmly pass the ball beyond a helpless Aitor Fernandez. Nice Fernandez takes this on, runs towards the box. Lozano's there, it's played behind him. That's a clever pass from Alex Fernandez. There comes the strike, and there is the opening goal of the game. Smash and grab stuff on the counter from Alberto Pereira. But Levante weren't deterred by the early setback and responded almost immediately. Before anyone had a chance to say Roger Marti has scored two goals, the visiting striker had done exactly that. Sergio Leon settled the move with a clever backheel to the marauding De Frutos, whose low cross was coolly tapped home into the empty net by Marti. Then, three minutes later, Marti put Las Granotas ahead with his seventh goal of the season. An incisive ball on the left flank put Carlos Clerk in behind, who squared for an onrushing Marti to stab home at Ledesma's near post. Look for this here off the cross. Taken inside and played into the net. It's goals galore to start things off. Roger Marti with his second of the game. The usually animated Cadiz coach, Alvaro Severa, sunk back into his seat and shook his head. But he needn't have worried, the goals weren't over. After a 15-minute breather, the game got its fourth goal, this time from a set-piece. Centre-back Juan Cala climbed highest ahead home, drawing the host level. 
2-2 after half an hour, the game was starting to resemble a high-scoring contest from 10 days before when Sevilla saw off Real Sociedad 3-2. The Cadena Cope commentators certainly couldn't believe that they'd seen four goals in the opening 27 minutes. But unfortunately for fans of both clubs, and us neutrals, the game rather petered out after that. As always, Alvaro Negredo and Choco Lozano looked lively for the hosts, but it was the visitors that saw the best of the limited second half chances. In the end, the squad stayed at two apiece, a result that does little for either side, with Cadiz moving up to 8th in the standings on 24 points and Levante staying 11th with 22. Thanks for that, Alex. That's all then for part one of this episode, but don't go anywhere because part two is coming up just after this short pause. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello everyone and welcome back along to this La Liga Lowdown episode. We've already discussed a few of the match day 19 games and moments and now we're going to focus in on one of the many draws that we had in this round. On Tuesday night, Elche took on a real vital lead side that were missing 11 first team players, whether because of suspension, injury or Covid. And Josan Fernandez put them two goals up, but real vital lead fought back for a 2-0 draw thanks to goals 
from Michel and Joaquin Fernandez. They even had a goal ruled out too, so really that could have seen Real Valladolid win this one. That makes it 12 La Liga games without a win now for Elche and they're out of the Copa del Rey. So let's bring in Elche fan Keith Farnan to discuss the newly promoted side and their struggles. So firstly Keith, for Elche to have blown this two goal lead, how disappointing was that? Yeah, of course, it was a really, really disappointing result for us, especially considering the circumstances involved with the Valladolid uh, missing players. It was typical El Shadow, you know, very good in one half and the next just very poor. You know, the first half, really good. Hassan got those two great goals. Uh, Mojica played a really big ro- role in the in the first one, as well as Boya and Verdu in the second one. But there was warning signs. Weissman hitting the post, Nacho going close, the disallowed goal. Elche didn't adapt. Uh, second half came out with no intention to to keep the ball, to try and counter-attack and get a third. It was just a really poor second half performance, especially from the line, because uh, as has happened many times in the, la- in the last number of months, Almiron got it wrong. You mentioned the Real Valladolid absences, 11 players in total that were out for them. So what does that say about Elche's current state after having a bright start to the season as well? Yeah, uh, I think it does say a bit about the quality. Uh, we do have to remember that uh, us coming up was a shock. It was Pachetta's miracle. And um, yeah, I really, I really think Pachetta was thrown under the bus by the new owners. But uh, still... Came up and started well, used that promotion momentum, but now we're really seeing Almiron just lacking in tactical ability, really, and ability to keep the team going. Credit to Valladolid, obviously. I don't think I have given them much credit, but credit to them, missing all those players to fight till the end. And a lot of problems, the, the lack of discipline, the lack of experience in our team, and the poor recruitment really caused that. But um, yeah, I think it does say a lot that we we cannot beat this uh, Valladolid team missing a lot of players. Okay, you've mentioned Almiron a few times. I sense you're not a fan, but is there much more he could do, or is this just the results that should be expected given the quality of this Elche squad? Yeah, that's the question about Almiron. You know, could he be doing better? Is he actually meeting expectations? For me, no, he's not. Uh, you look at Pachetta, he was thrown under the bus, as I, as I said previously, treated very badly by our owners. I don't think he would let this situation arise where we'd be 12 games without a win and our best result in that time being a 1-1 draw with Real Madrid where Jesus Munoz was took over from Almiron because he's our assistant Almiron had a uh, COVID-19 so couldn't manage the game I very much understand that we aren't expected to do all that well this season a lot of people put us dead last but with a better manager I genuinely believe that we could be mid-table at the moment and uh, well we're obviously not 12 games without a win poor team selection poor recruitment favouritism towards shocking players like Sanchez Mino it's really just uh, he's just completely out of his depth the promotion bounce was good but bar that he has been 
pretty pretty awful especially in this 12 game run so for me and the vast majority if not all Elche fans I think Almiron has to go do you have hope that this January transfer market can sort Elche out I mean they didn't have much time to sign players in the summer but already in January they brought in Johan Mojica for example uh, yeah well I think it could be the 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 turn point of the season, Almiron did say he wanted a uh, five to six signings this window, and obviously he already got Mojica, who who was good against Valladolid, uh, and is a good signing, probably the best left back I've, I've seen play for Elche this season. But I would much prefer get rid of Almiron and get a manager like Fran Escriba to come in and get two or three of his signings in because. Uh, I think he'd be able to do the job and keep us up. You look at some of the signings we made in the summer. Uh, Sifu, Lusu, Sanchez Mino, Kone, Lusumi, Carrillo. They've all been very poor. Uh, a couple of decent ones. Guti, Boye, Marcone. But really and truly, the bad outweighs the good. And our squad is now looking very poor because of poor recruitment. Uh, I can't see where all these other signings are going to come in. And even if they do, can Almiron get the best out of them? I really don't think so. So the situation is not great at Elche right now. But I am an optimist and I do believe that we will uh, avoid relegation this season. Thanks, Keith. We'll sure see what happens over the second half of the campaign. Really interesting to get that update there on all things Elche. We mentioned Pacheta a few times there in that discussion. He, of course was the coach who brought Elche up, but he wasn't kept on. But Pacheta is now in the top division because he's been hired to replace Michel at Huesca. Pacheta had his first game this midweek round at Hitafi and he made some big changes, switching to a back three system. Hitafi are playing a new system just now as well and they're trying to look to incorporate Carlos Alenia and Takifusa Kubo into their side and they were that little bit better than Huesca in this game, getting a 1-0 win thanks to Mauro Arambari goal. Encouraging signs out for Huesca and, of course, we'll be keeping you up to date with how they get on over the next few weeks. Another club with a new coach is Alaves as they brought back Abelardo to replace Pablo Machin. He had his second game this round after his first one back was a 5-0 thrashing against Almeria in the Copa del Rey. Obviously not a great start, but his Alaves side fared much better as they took on Sevilla in midweek. They lost 2-1. But they had the chance to equalise in the final moments, only for Sevilla goalkeeper Bono to save a Jocelyn penalty. Alaves have their centenary coming up this week, and they face Real Madrid. So, given that there's so much going on around the Basque club right now, we got Victoria resident and Alaves fan Rob Hextall to send us in a report. Here's what Rob has made of all the recent events in Alaves land. Well, José Ancarajeta struck again. Pablo Machin has been shown the door and El Pito Abelado has returned to what was once a happy hunting ground for him. We all know what football's like for, for managers and coaches, but I think Pablo Machin can consider himself a little unfortunate. I think his own words best sum up his unfortunate sacking. In a letter to the fans published on Twitter, he stated, I did all I could to keep this team in Primera División. I was faced with all kinds of adversities and difficulties and tried to optimise the resources that were available to me. Those words, optimise the resources that were available to me, they're key. 
because Alaves took him on knowing exactly how he prefers to set up his team, with three at the back, attacking wing-backs in a high-pressing style, and promptly gave him a squad absolutely not suited to that purpose at all, and pretty scant of top-level quality to boot. He did his best, he tried to adapt and change his style, his footballing principles basically, but he ultimately failed. The debate among fans really is about who's to blame for this, the club or the manager? Perhaps Machin will get a second chance in the future and maybe he'll be back at Mendy sometime with a better balanced squad and a ground full of fans, something he never got to see, which is a real shame because when Mendy Tharotha gets going, it's quite a spectacle. His replacement, Abelardo, proves the point that Kerejeta does give his coaches a second chance, and sometimes even a third. In fact, this is Abelardo's third stint at Alaves, the second time as head coach. And once again, his remit is to sort out somebody else's mess. He worked out fine last time, with a remarkable fight back against what seemed to be certain relegation. But after a great start, things just seemed to peter out towards the end of his second season. And for various reasons, he didn't stay on. But fans are glad to see him back and hope that Abelardo can engineer another revival. He understands that it's highly unlikely that he'll get any additions to the limited squad this January. But I'm sure he's relishing the task of building a compact competitive team that will be strong defensively while breaking out fast to create opportunities that will really need to be taken if Alaves are going to remain in Primera División as they go into their 101st year. Because lucky old Abelardo is now going to be the coach that will appear in the centenary photograph as the club and the city this weekend celebrate 100 years of Deportivo Alaves. Real Madrid will be the guests of honour this Saturday as the team looks to build on an improved performance in Abelardo's first game back at Mendizorotha against Sevilla. Unfortunately, defensive passivity and the failure to take their chances, this time a penalty, once again condemned Alaves to a defeat. The relegation spots are so, so close and it almost seems inevitable that at some point in the near future, Los Albiazules are going to spend a bit of time down in the basement. In the game against Sevilla, Abelardo's game plan did produce an improved performance though and initially at least, the team does seem up to a proper good old relegation scrap. They pressured high, they made life difficult for Sevilla, and despite going down twice, goalkeeper Pacheco actually spent large parts of the game pretty much as a spectator. A penalty in the 90th minute should have given Alaves a well-deserved point, but Bono say from Joselo's low shot, and that was that. 2-1 to Sevilla. I'm pretty sure Abelardo will be working hard on the psychological side of things this week because relegation battle looming, Real Madrid at home, 100 years of history, no pressure. Wasé eh? glorioso! Thanks, Rob. So yeah, a big, big week for Alaves. They were founded on the 23rd of January 1921 and this Saturday is the 23rd of January of 2021. It's a 9pm local kickoff time for that clash with Real Madrid, so that's going to be a huge one. Of course, we'll be watching closely and bringing you updates on Twitter from our La Liga Lowdown account. First though, there's still a couple of games we haven't covered from match day 19. They were two of the Wednesday night fixtures, firstly with Real Betis defeating Celta Vigo 2-1 at home. Even though Santamina gave Celta an early lead, Sergio Canales scored twice to make it a win for the Andalusian side. It now means that Celta have one win 
four draws and 16 defeats. In the last 21 La Liga games, they've played without Iago Aspas. I mean, yeah, that's tough. Then we had Villarreal versus Granada on Wednesday night too. It was 4-4 in this fixture last year and it was fun again this time too, this time finishing 2-2. So Dado put Granada ahead before Ruben Peña and Moy Gomez turned it around for Villarreal, only for Kennedy to then make it 2-2, the player named after US president doing the business on inauguration day. There were some pretty harsh calls for Granada in this one, I have to say, and the coaches Unai Emery and Diego Martinez were seen shouting at each other down the tunnel. That's newsworthy because Martinez used to be Emery's assistant back when they were both winning the Europa League at Sevilla. Now they're on opposite sides and sharing the spoils. That's all then for this Match Day 19 recap. Only eight fixtures this midweek because four of the teams were playing in the Copa del Rey and you may have heard that Real Madrid were knocked out. That just makes our match away at Birthday Boys Alaves all the more important this weekend. So enjoy Match Day 20 when it comes up. Enjoy it along with us over on Twitter. Remember, at La Liga Lowdown, you can join in the fun. For now, my thanks to Paco Pollitt, Alex Brotherton, Keith Farnan and Rob Hextall for their contributions to this episode. I've been your host, Hugh McTeer, and we'll be back for you very soon. Thanks for listening.